Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in. Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. Hello, champion. Welcome back to a bonus podcast today on the Everyday Saturday Show. Uh, you may have heard this story. I've shared it a few times in the past. If you're a real diehard Everyday Saturday fan, you definitely heard it. But uh, you'll pick up new things because I don't ever tell the same story twice. Always has the same premise. <laughs> Most of my stories are true, but there's always a nuance I leave out and I pick it up in the next time I talk about it, things like that. So today is the how I bought my first rental property with a credit card. And those of you that are listening to this podcast, and you might be a new listener, um, this is not a real estate investment podcast. This is a mindset show, motivation, inspiration. I use it to spread just motivational messages out throughout 225 countries and territories. And my call to action is always looking for the top 1% of the 1% to uh, work together one-on-one and launch your message uh, faster than you could ever do it and better than you could ever do it on your own and saving time. So with that is go to launchwithsam.com, launchwithsam.com. And that's my calendar. You set up an appointment. I call you and we launch your message. We being you and me working together one on one. Yes, yes, I am still one of the rare dinosaurs that love working with the right person one on one. So I'm going to take you back to the late 90s. Okay. And I was a sales rep in an organization here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I loved it. I love being in sales. Sales is the best part, highest paying part time job you'll ever have in your life. Sales, if I tell my daughters this as well, you want to make a lot of money going to sales. All right. You want freedom going to sales. There's stress, of course, because you have sales quotas. And if your manager is doing even a remotely good job, they're going to pit you against people in your office and drive that performance. And that's what they do. Right. You're like the mice and there's the cheese and they tempt you with the quota buster trip to Aruba and you work 80 hour weeks. And some days, you well, not really in sales, sales management, you do sales, you might work four-hour days. I'm telling you, sales is the greatest career ever. I don't care what you're selling. Real estate, mortgage, advertising. Of course, you're going to have some days you put in 15 hours. But I'm just saying, once you master it, it is an amazing career. But in the late 90s, I started getting uh, you know, I started getting the itch. I was recently married in 1998, February 28th of 1998. God, I almost got the day. I'm like, was it leap year? February 28th, 1998. And, you know, we're Newly married. I mean, God, I met my wife in 96 in Buffalo. Uh, we were both working in Buffalo. We were engaged in three months. Still married. So we got engaged after knowing each other three months. And uh, we got married in 1998. And I started thinking, I don't know if I, I'm starting to feel psychologically unemployable. You know, I just am. And so I actually went to lunch with a local real estate broker, the lady who sold us our house when we moved to Cincinnati, her boss, and her took me to lunch. Great people. And I, I started inquiring about a real estate career, and they're one of the larger realtors here in Cincinnati. And it sounded great. The only thing that it was missing was any kind of security, certainty. I mean, I was into this whole job thing, and I was making, I mean, geez, this was 99. I was probably making 80 grand, 90 grand, 
in sales and uh, I was hitting all the quotas, you know, all the bonuses, all the commission, max and all that stuff out. So I was doing pretty good. I mean, certainly better than I ever. I mean, eight years prior to that, I was making you know, a base salary of $9,900. So to be making 90 grand, holy crap. But I, I said, hey, so this is straight commission. Like, yep, yep. I go, how long is it going to take me to get up and running? They said, well, you, I mean, look, you're dynamite guy, great personality, hard worker. I mean, you should be making commission, no guarantees, but three, four months, you know, give yourself some time. I'm like, golly. Uh, and I didn't do it. I did long story short, I didn't do it. But I started always having that. I went into management, always that thing inside of me that I wanted to do more and more and more. And that's kind of the point of this podcast episode today is there's something tugging at you. Like you want to do more. You know you should be doing more. You know you can do more. Next thing you know, you go to bed at night and you haven't done what it is you wanted to do that day. You had all these grand plans maybe Sunday morning, sitting at church or at home, or maybe you're watching sports, you're like, boy, and you just allow yourself to dream. Maybe at the gym, you know, I dream a lot at the gym. I listen to podcasts. I just kind of let my mind wander into all these different things I want to do with my family, my career, and things like that. I'm a big dreamer. And so I dream in the car. I dream a lot, actually. I talk to God a lot. And so back then I was like, hey, I can't do it. But the seed was planted. And once it was planted, it was just like, Mm, man, you can't you can't plant a seed like that of entrepreneurship and freedom, and then just it doesn't just it doesn't go away. You know that thing that's tugging at you right now that you know you should do. It's never gonna go away, and you gotta act on it at some time, or you're just gonna live a life of torture. I mean, I promise you, because even the few years that I continued to work felt like torture. So fast forward to the year 2000, um, I went into management in april that year the big joke was hey they pay you less and you work twice as hard but one far one far from the truth my base salary was like 45 grand 50 grand and i was in the office at six in the morning and then get home till six at night every day monday through friday if so i can't believe i did that anyway uh we had our first baby born in april of that same year of 2000 our baby boy matthew unfortunately uh, my wife delivered him at 20 weeks and he died and we held him and we had him baptized and we prayed over him, but his little heart stopped beating. Some of you may not know, I have four daughters, but my wife's actually delivered five children. So we gave Matthew away. He's buried here at Gate of Heaven Cemetery in a tombstone with the title of God's Littlest People on it. So all the other parents whose children have met that same type of fate uh, are buried in that same mausoleum type tomb. But anyway, so that was a very difficult, challenging time for my wife and I in the spring of 2000. But getting back to business, and again, all of this stuff was working on me. Now that I look back, I see how it all just worked. That's the thing, you know, as you're climbing up this ladder of life, you, you get an opportunity to look down at rungs of that ladder after you've already made the climb and you think, oh, I get it. Okay, now it makes sense. Okay, I see. But when you're in it, you don't get it. So even right now, while you're in it, you're thinking, why am I here? Well, 10 years from now, you'll look back and you'll know exactly why you are here, right here, right now. And I don't believe in coincidences. I just, I don't believe in that. So back then, this was all starting to work. Jeez, I had, we had a baby. We lost a baby. Then we got pregnant again a few months later, and that was Madeline. Madeline was born in March of the following year, my daughter, who's now 19 years old. And so I started just kind of allowing myself to dream even more. So I would buy these uh, entrepreneur magazines. The internet wasn't around yet. I think, I don't think it was really, I know the internet was there, but it really wasn't anything. I mean, we're talking about 2000, 2001. I remember, you know, how slow even being at a subsidiary of AT&T, that's where I worked. Our internet was considered kind of high speed. And when 9-11 hit, 
every website was jammed. You couldn't get on. I remember CNN. I was on CNN's website, and it was just frozen. You couldn't get email, nothing, back when 9-11. It was a Tuesday morning. I remember beautiful day here in Ohio and just couldn't get online. So there was no Internet at that time to do research about entrepreneurship or anything like that. So, you know, I was ordering these direct sales magazines, I don't know where I got them from. It might have even been a classified ad where I saw the direct sales magazines from. And they would be like gumball machines. And yes, I did look at having a gumball machine route. I'm not even kidding. And as stupid as that sounds, I would, oh, no, because I'm a dreamer. You know, I'd be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I could go on my lunch hour and empty the dimes and the pennies out and refill the gumballs. And I remember my buddy came in, a fellow sales manager. He's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm looking at some investments. He goes, dude. You're looking at gumball machines. I go, yeah. He goes, get stop, just stop. Now, thank God he was there. Yeah, I, he goes, just stop, please. You're not gonna go. What are you gonna do? Have a suit and tie on, driving around Cincinnati, Ohio, filling up gumball machines, making twenty cents? I go, no. The key is volume. He goes, stop. I was trying to sell him. So, and then I would leave, and I went and looked at a tanning salon to buy for I think it was sixty-five grand. And this entrepreneurial seed was built inside of me. So. I'm gonna always put this back on you. What's inside of you? Like, what are you, what's working on you? Don't dismiss that feeling. It's strong. You gotta water that dream. Like, you gotta feed that dream. You have to read and listen. And so I was, I turned into a big reader, and that's the infamous rich dad, poor dad. You know, when I first went to my first real estate boot camp here in Cincinnati, Ohio, they told us to read that book, Think and Grow Rich. And there was one other one I can't remember. Might have even been those two. So, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'm not a reader. I'm not a big book guy. I'm an audible guy. I, I listen. I just I listen to hours, and I mean hours. I drive around my car. I have a YouTube channel playing, or I have a podcast playing, and it's always personal development, credit, because I'm a big credit guy. I love having hundreds of thousands of dollars of lines of credit to be able to use to make money. Money makes money. Money in motion makes money. All that. Uh, I just subscribe to a lot of different things in that realm, business and personal development. So, and sermons. I listen to a lot of Christian sermons as well. So I'm working on my mind. I'm working on my mind. I'm working on my mind. 2002 hits that summer. And now here's kind of where my mind was at. I'm looking. It's like, you know that, that analogy you always hear. If you're looking for a yellow Volkswagen and you're looking for a yellow Volkswagen, you're going to see a yellow Volkswagen, you know? So my yellow Volkswagen was other people's money. They would drill that into us at the real estate seminar, OPM, OPM. Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad would always be talking about, you know, his rich dad got wealthy by using other people's money. Now, at first, this was all incredibly foreign to me. Like, I had no idea. Opium, what am I on opium for? No, OPM, other people. I'm like, oh, okay, good, because I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with opium. So... I was like, okay, so my yellow Volkswagen was other people's money. And I was always on the lookout for it, you know, private investors, loans, lines of credit, second mortgage, things like that. Now, there's a big danger in this because credit's a loaded weapon. I say this all the time. It can be used for good and it can be used for not so good. So they always drill that into us as well. Hey, make sure you're not buying television. Poor people buy televisions. Wealthy people buy assets, okay? Things that will pay them back. And in this case, it's real estate. So the, here's where I'm going with this. About So I went through, I remember it was the summer, it was the beginning of June of 2002. And I went through the real estate investment class and I was looking for other people's money, other people's money. Well, wouldn't you know, I got a Discover card because they said, hey, apply for credit cards and ask credit card companies for convenient checks. 
that you can use, same as cash, you know? I'm like, great. So I got a Discover card that summer for the first time. I got an American Express card that summer. Again, and I just, and the existing credit I had, they said, call them up and ask them to triple, quadruple, just ask for maximum lines of credit. So if you got a five grand line of credit, ask for 50,000. They probably won't give you 50, but they'll give you 10. And if you do that with, you know, five or six or whatever, however many credit cards you got right now, just think about how much in lines of credit you'll have. So I get this Discover card in the mail and it, it has with it convenient checks. And so with the convenient checks was, I think my line of credit might have been five grand, but I got on the phone, I called to say, can we make this 20? And they said, yes. They said, yes. So you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I mean, I had nothing to lose. They weren't going to run another credit on me. They already just ran credit on me. I said, hey, I think I'm worthy. I've got a good credit score. It was over 720. I've got good income. And I'd like this to be 20 grand. They said, great. So I, they said, you can immediately use that credit card check for 20 grand. I'm like, wow. So I wrote a check to myself for $20,000 and deposited it in the bank. I thought I was going to get arrested. Pay to the order of Sam Crowley. Well, actually, I think I wrote it for like 19 something thousand because there's a 3% transaction fee. So I think they hit me with like 600 bucks a transaction fee. I didn't care. I Look, cash is king. Cash is king. You can put that to work. And I had 12 months, same as cash. So I had a year to figure out how I was going to pay this 19 grand back. Because most people would freak out and be like, oh my God, I got 19 grand in credit. Ah. I didn't. I knew that I had a mission. And my mission was to go, now that I had the money, to make myself liquid. I was going to, you know, I would show up to an investor. So I started looking back at my hometown in Bradford, Pennsylvania, because I knew I could get property a lot less expensive than I could get in Cincinnati. I would start on a smaller scale. And lo and behold, bought a property, paid cash. It was a kind of a dilapidated duplex. The price was 19 grand. 19 grand. And I already had tenants in it. One bottom person was paying 400 a month, or no, three, you don't care, but I'm just saying, I think it was 350 and 300, so $650. And so I immediately got 12 times, let's just say 600 to be even $7,200 a month coming in. My expenses were taxes and insurance, property taxes and insurance, which were no more than just, you know, maybe. Uh, I, I'll tell you right now, my insurance was uh, $200 a year, $300. I know you're probably thinking, what are you talking? It's like $300 a year. So what's that? You know, $25 a month. So still cash flowing good. And in six months time, I refinanced it with a bank because I owned it. Once you get something under like ownership, everything changes. Now you're the owner. That's a much different ball game than just applying for a mortgage or credit. Once you own it, you control it. You can get really, really creative. Now you're in the driver's seat. So I refinanced it on a 10 or a 15-year note. I can't remember. All I know is my mortgage payment was $190 a month. So I'm cash flowing, you know, so I'm grossing $600, $700 a month. Expenses might have been a couple hundred. I was netting $500 a month and times 12 is $6,000 a year. Now keep in mind, my salary was only fifty grand a year. So I just gave myself a 12% raise. You ain't getting a 12% raise in corporate. You're getting a 3% raise after you already work a year. Okay. You're going to get a three, three to 5% raise. I quad, I tripled that at least, you know, up to 12% gave myself a raise. So what happened? What's the moral of this story? Well, there's a lot happening. First of all, I did something I never did before. Like I talked about yesterday, do something for the first time. It just, it gives you just amazing sense of accomplishment. Second of all, 
I invested in myself. You know, I bought the boot camp, then I bought another boot camp, then I bought another one, and I know I was getting, you know, people at work are making fun. Oh my God, where are you flying to? I was flying to Florida and Dallas. I was learning how to buy mobile homes and cash flow this and other real estate. Went to a thing called Millionaire University, just learning how to think. What? Imagine that. I spent two grand to go away for three days to learn how to think like a millionaire. That's it. Nothing else. Just here's how you think different. That's it. I mean, I was really into that stuff but it paid dividends. Had I never used any of it? Well, yeah, of course. Now I'm just another one of these seminar junkies that just buy stuff that sits on the virtual shelf and you never use it. But I wasn't going to do that because I put a tremendous amount of value. So that's the second point that I invested in myself, you know? And I think the main thing I want, I acted on that thing that was just pulling me and pulling me and talking to me. It's like, Sam, come on, Sam, get get rid of limiting beliefs, you know, do something different, try something different, go do that. And so I just want to really encourage you. The moral of this story of how I bought my first rental property with a credit card is the title is really freaky. I get it. It's fun. It's exciting. It's sexy. It jumps out in the podcast, you know, but it has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with, you can do it. You can do whatever you want. And I know that's kind of, oh, you've heard that. No, you really can I'm here to tell you, I'm an ex-stuttering college dropout, all right? I didn't know anything about real estate investing. I went on to buy 40 units after that's the rest of the story. The rest of the story was I went on to buy 40 units with other people's money, um, and I became, you know, a pretty large real estate investor, And but I got I sold them all. My daughter got sick uh, and was in Children's Hospital, and I had over a million dollars in medical bills and just a lot of stress. I got rid of them all. Sold them all. Lost a ton of money. Lost That's another probably three, four hundred grand I lost, but it was more important to me to have some cash to pay back what we owed with all these medical bills and just not have the stress anymore of being a landlord 500 miles away. But it was a season of my life I don't regret. And it really, once you have that experience that you can do something crazy like that, and the sun still comes up, meaning, you know, the sky didn't fall. I didn't go broke. You know, don't be a landlord. People, well, yeah, I get it. You know, people are going to kick holes in your wall. Yeah, they're going to skip out in the middle of the night and not pay rent. But it happens with anything you own. You know, you own a 7-Eleven. You think one of your employees isn't going to steal a Slurpee? I mean, it's going to happen. And it's just that's factored into the cost of business. That's just factored in. So I want to really encourage you to go look for that yellow VW that yellow Volkswagen bug out there. Start looking. Like I was looking, always on the look. Because had I not been so focused on trying to find credit and using other people's money to buy my first real estate uh, property, I wouldn't have really even thought. That Discover offer came in the mail. I wouldn't have acted on it. I wouldn't have called to get the credit line increase. I certainly wouldn't have written myself a check for $19,000. That's because I was looking for the yellow VW bug. That's what I was looking for. So I don't know what yours is. Um, if it's launching your message and your movement, then get a hold of me. Go to launchwithsam.com. I'll work with you. We'll get it done. It'll get done fast. But regardless of what it is, take action. Even if it's just the smallest amount. Remember, I had that meeting with the real estate broker and the real estate agent. And it didn't happen that day. Nothing happened that day. Nothing happened that year. Nothing happened the next two years because I was comfortable, you know? I allowed myself to, I mean, God, had I got into real estate in Cincinnati in the late 90s, I'd probably be a multi-billionaire. But that wasn't God's plan for my life. God's plan for my life was to talk to you on a podcast and to work with you and to help other people. That's that's God's plan for my life is to be this motivator and to be show up authentically and work with people either one-on-one or a very small group so you get results, you know, and to always serve him. And look, God's plan for my life may change next year and I'll just go where God wants me to go. But right now, 
it's to minister to you, to allow you to believe that anything's possible. And doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter what people say about you. All that matters is you make a decision and you follow it with action and you get results and you measure those results and you stay at it and you never quit. You never quit. All right. So I hope this podcast helped you. Let me know if it did. You can hit me up on Instagram at every day is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Send me a DM. I'll reply back. You can email me, Sam, at everydayissaturday.com. But either way, all right, let's do it. Have the best day ever. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for, amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram, at Everyday is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar, go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Everyday is Saturday podcast.